Welcome to episode 87 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. And this week, we welcome Mike Dano from Light Reading for a special Mobile World Congress Barcelona preview. So let's get started with my first topic. And my topic is around private networking. So the question that I'm kind of asking myself, will this year's Mobile World Congress be the big coming out party for private 5G? And who are the front runners? So Cisco announced very softly without a lot of details um, about a week ago that they're gonna be bringing 5G as a service uh, to market. There will be more details at Mobile World Congress. So um, I've been pre-briefed, but I can't speak to any of that. It's still under embargo, but um, both Anshul and I will be at the show and you know, we'll probably be doing some live tweeting and we'll be sharing our insights there. But certainly Cisco is a little bit late to the party. When you look at you know, others, Nokia has been very aggressively embracing it for, for good reason. They've had some stumbles, but they're beginning to turn that around as evidenced by recent earnings. So I expect to uh, hear more from Nokia on how they're expanding their leadership and their footprint. Ericsson's been somewhat on the sideline, but now with the Cradle Point acquisition, I'm expecting to uh, learn about some new developments and how Ericsson is gonna leverage Cradle Point's footprint within the enterprise to expand out uh, what they wanna do with private um, and, and 5G. And then finally, HPE, They've been pretty much partnered with Salona. Salona is a startup. I've spent some time with Salona. In fact, I've hosted a webinar with them in the past and I've written about them on Forbes. They have a very unique value proposition. They sort of view um, 5G as sort of the 5G land and they believe that it can be all encompassing, including Wi-Fi. I don't really agree with that. Wi-Fi will still have its place, especially in the carpeted areas of enterprises. Where 5G, I think, is really going to be powerful will be on the OT side of things that's traditionally been either unconnected or sort of a hodgepodge of, you know, modalities and connectivity. But Mike would love to get your insights and input and what you think you'll, you'll learn at the show. At the show, yeah. No, I'm, I'm certainly excited about uh, private networking. I think that's a fascinating, uh, a fascinating topic. Um, and so, yeah, so unfortunately, uh, I'm, I'm going to follow uh, all the show news by following you guys on Twitter. I'm looking forward to staying up to date on whatever you guys are, are seeing at that show because I'm based here in the U.S. in Denver, so I will not be attending Mobile World Congress this year, which is very sad. I, I wish that I were going. Uh, it's corporate policy that uh, the European-based folks, we have, a, we have a whole crew in London, and they'll, they'll be attending the Mobile World Congress show for light reading, but... Unfortunately, I won't be there this year. I will, I will definitely be there next year. I'll, I'm going to some of the other shows here in the U.S. Uh, for the spring season, but uh, unfortunately, I won't be there. But uh, I will be uh, keeping an eye, close eye on the proceedings from afar, watching your guys' Twitter and everything. And uh, there's a couple of like big themes that I'm that I'm looking out for at, at MWC in Barcelona. And I think the the main one for me right now is definitely. Um, you know, the, the, the emergence of the important importance and the emergence of cloud in, in mm -hmm. cloud networking. Um, we saw, I think, a little hint of this uh, at the MWC show in LA at the end of last year, uh, which I did was I was able to attend. And let me tell you, uh, uh, Google and Microsoft and especially Amazon were out in force at that show. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking that's probably a dry run for what's going to go down in Barcelona. I think that uh, 
the big hyperscalers are just going to crash into Mobile World Congress like a wrecking ball. <laughs> so I really do think that that's like that is one of the big trends in the industry right now is, you know, these cloud these cloud companies are just you know they're just rolling in cash, and have all uh, virtually at the same time decided to invest in telecom in a big way. And here you know here comes this big international show. I think that they're going to be a huge smash. I agree, you know, and a proof point, you know, the AT&T announcement with Azure moving its 5G core, as well as some intellectual property and, you know, some, some human resource assets over to Azure as well. So I agree, cloud should be really, really big. Anshul, um, what do you think? I think? I think that we're in an interesting place because um, standalone isn't mature enough yet. Um, and it, and it can't, a lot of the new use cases for 5G for consumer can't really scale without standalone. Um, and I think private is a way to deploy some of the potential opportunities that exist um, in a way that gets done more quickly um, and maybe in a less public manner. Um, so I think it helps get some companies onto 5G and utilizing some of the technologies sooner. Um, and it also does it in a way that allows companies to feel like they aren't sharing the same infrastructure um, with everyone else. Um, so I think private 5G, it's kind of an inevitability at this point. And everything that we've seen so far has been very um, promising. In addition to that, the hyperscalers are absolutely eating everything. Um, and I think if you look at the future of computing, um, there is a need to have edge compute, whether it's the mobile edge compute or if it's, you know, maybe a little bit further down the pipe closer to the cloud core. Um, you know, I think it really depends on the application. Um, but overall, it's just, you know, these, these CSPs and hyperscalers are really um, taking things over. And I, I think that's a missed opportunity for the, the carriers um, but realistically, I don't think the carriers or their investors were ever willing to um, put in the hardware and software investment to offer a competitive solution to what the CSPs are doing today. I'm glad you touched on mobile edge computing because there have been obvious investments by the hyperscalers, AWS and Azure. I've spoken to the power of MEC in supercharging 5G use cases, to your point, Anshul, it's going to be based on use case and that sort of thing. So these will all be themes that I think that are going to be pretty um, evident and highlighted at Mobile World Congress. But let's move to your first topic this week. And it's not really a Mobile World Congress preview, but you always like to bring a little sensationalism to the podcast. And you want to talk about Ericsson and some news that broke this week that's a little disturbing, right? Yeah, so I did not catch... Uh, this news as it happened, but it did happen yesterday. Um, and basically, um, Ericsson was accused of and then admitted to um, making payments to the Iraqi arm of ISIS. Um, and this is after they had already um, dealt with other improper payments in Vietnam uh, in a previous investigation. So um, this is kind of a, a big problem for Ericsson to the point where their stock dropped 10%, um, mark, taking off $4 billion of its market cap, um, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, 
but the reason why they said that they didn't admit to the uh, to those transactions earlier between 2011 and 2019 was because they didn't meet Ericsson's materiality threshold. Uh, this is according to Reuters, so I'm not reading a uh, editorialized um, opinion. This is you know edit Reuters is just giving the, the facts, um, and it will likely uh, end up in a DOJ probe, um, and it doesn't really look good, um, but apparently there was like a, 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 an, a journalistic investigation that, that, that forced Erickson to comment on it. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll see what happens for it, but generally um, these things don't look good um, for a company the size of Erickson that has um, a reputation of um, you know, working with, with US government and US agencies yeah. And I think they're going to have a very hard time coming back from this, but they are one of the world's leading um, suppliers. Um, and they were fined that billion dollars for the Vietnam bribery situation. So I'm sure they're going to have to deal with this as well. And, you know, people are probably going to forget about it eventually. Um, but I'm sure their competitors like Nokia and Samsung are probably going to, you know, make a big point of this whenever they have any kind of negotiations with Ericsson's customers. So yeah. uh, it's unfortunate and it's honestly quite shocking. Um, I wasn't expecting to hear that or see that, but um, you know, everybody has to be held accountable. Yeah. You know, we've, you know, in the past we heard about Huawei selling restricted technology to that part of the world. This certainly isn't positive for Ericsson. There was a, a pre-brief this morning that I participated on. It was a little early on for you, um, yes. but uh, <laughs> But they, they started off, they kind of, you know, they, they addressed the elephant in the room and, they, and they, they addressed that, but said, we won't be fielding any questions related to this issue. If you have any questions, you know, you can forward that to the public relations department with Erickson. So this is late breaking and I would have expected that same response, but Mike, any, any thoughts on this before we move on? I mean, yeah, this, uh, I, I'll say I'm probably, I'm not really surprised. I know that uh, there have been uh, previous investigations into other companies. Uh, and I know that, you know, that was uh, one of the reasons why Huawei, uh, the U.S. government moved against Huawei was one of the many reasons was its uh, work with Iran. Right. So, you know, this is, I, I think, you know, global companies do business on a global scale and the entire globe uh, does not work in the same way as, you know, uh, established Western governments. And so yeah. I'm not saying that it's okay by any means, but I, I will say that I'm, I'm not surprised. I think that uh, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, countries like Iran, Iraq, um, you know, it's, uh, there, there's not an established RFI process, I think, in some of these countries. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually have family that lives in Central America, and I remember as a small child uh, when I would travel with my aunt going back with her that it was common practice to bribe the customs officials in you know in, in the Guatemala customs to to get your your things through so I mean yeah. it, you know Talk- culture is culture but you know I'm sure you know Erickson has a high degree of integrity and, and they'll address this but let's move to my second topic this week I just want to sort of talk generally about infrastructure provider announcement expectations and I've been on a number of different pre-briefings. Nokia had one um, earlier this week. I mentioned Ericsson this morning. Um, there aren't a lot of things that I can mention that were shared under uh, under embargo and non-disclosure, but 
And this is a good segue, Mike, to your second topic this week. I do expect to um, hear a lot about OpenRAN. Um, you know, all, all of the vendors have been beating the drum, you know, the benefits, CapEx, OpEx, domesticating the 5G supply chain, it's all very sexy, but it doesn't come without complexity and the need for integration. And in fact, I think it was Light Reading, Mike, that I read, um, Light Reading posted kind of a listing of all of the demos that are gonna occur around OpenRAN, and there are gonna be 30 plus some odd demos from all of the big names. So um, I do think, uh, There'll, there'll be a lot of focus on that, but you've got some opinion on, on OpenRAN and uh, would love to hear that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I am very interested in OpenRAN. I think it is a fascinating trend and it, you know, it could have some serious repercussions and, and implications for our space. Uh, and I think we're just gonna hear about it just nonstop, you know, coming out of uh, Mobile World Congress. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of uh, preparing myself for what I think is the distinct possibility that uh, we'll hear a lot of bluster, and there will be very little actual meat uh, on the bone there uh, for Open RAN at, at NWC. I'm I'm expecting a lot of companies to make a lot of noise about it, but I'd be really surprised if we see any like actual real you know market traction beyond what has already been announced, which is you know some some uh, serious investments by companies like Dish and Rakuten, uh, some you know serious tests by companies like Vodafone. Yeah, uh, but we are not, you know, we're not nearly at the point of wide scale adoption. And, and I don't expect that to change after uh, uh, the show in Spain. Yeah, there have been a lot of proof of concepts, a lot of pots going out there. Anshul, what do you think? I think that the truth is, is that we have a lot that's that's still kind of in development um, when it comes to Open RAN. And I'm excited to see like what proof points we'll see at the show. Um, I, I think there's also when you define infrastructure, there's so many different components of the infrastructure for 5G now that um, I think we're just gonna see kind of a smattering of all different types. Um, and I, what's interesting is there's less talk of the core now um, and a lot more of talk around the edge like we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think like, as we've, we're seeing more cloudification of the, the cellular, networks. Um, I just think that a lot of what we're going to see is going to look a lot more like a cloud technology, um, both from the CSPs, which is obvious, and from, you know, the Ericsson's, the Nokia's, and the Samsung's of the world. So um, software defined everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll throw this in too. In addition to Open RAN, I think we're going to hear a lot about uh, virtualized RAN, virtualized distributed unit, you know, platforms, accelerator cards and that sort of thing. Qualcomm had an announcement today with HPE. I'll be posting a Forbes article on that, hopefully on Friday. So our listeners and viewers hit and that Willtown Tech. You know, I, was, yeah. I was just going to say, I may or may not have been at Qualcomm all day yesterday with a pre-brief <laughs> announcements that are coming. So I right. may or may not have been previewing some things that are coming. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but hey, Anshul, let's get hit your, you know, second and final topic this week. And you want to talk about Motorola, right? Yeah. So I, uh, this is actually something that happened, I think yesterday before yesterday. So it's kind of early for MWC, but it's more of a, a trend um, that I think we're going to see at MWC, which is a lot of um, talk of XR again, um, partially because the metaverse, everyone wants to talk about their, their thoughts and, 
and position in the metaverse. And the truth is, is that um, the metaverse is still far away. There's still a lot of things that need to happen. But ultimately, I think 5G will be a big enabler of the metaverse. Mm. And a lot of these companies are hoping that it will be. Um, and so Motorola actually did a, uh, an announcement with Verizon where they designed this 5G neckband, um, which is supposed to replace a smartphone. Um, it does operate on 5G millimeter wave as well as um, sub six um, and it is a compute wearable. So it basically replaces a smartphone that you would normally be using, which is what currently exists today. And you would pair it with Lenovo's A3 AR glasses and you would have like this 5G connected uh, neckband that would connect to your glasses and you, you could experience AR um, without a smartphone using 5G. And I think it's a pretty cool application because it's probably one of the first 5G wearables um, that's a neck, you know, 5G wearable for XR that like is actually a commercial product. Um, I've been kind of peppering them to get more information. Um, but what's interesting is it does run on a Snapdragon Series 8 Gen 1. So it's actually like the latest and greatest from Qualcomm. Uh, so it's going to be very powerful and capable, actually more so than a lot of the current AR devices, which are running the XR2, um, which is kind of just like a rebranded uh, 865. So it's actually two generations newer, which means a lot more GPU horsepower and a lot lower power consumption. So I think that's a very compelling uh, opportunity for Motorola and Verizon. Um, but overall, I think at MWC, you're just going to see a lot more talk about AR um, mm -hmm. and what kind of uh, technologies different companies are, are delivering to enable AR, um, just because I think a lot of people are starting to realize that while VR is great and there's a lot of applications for VR, uh, its scale is limited and AR will ultimately be what a lot of people will use as they're moving around the 5G network because uh, when you look at like VR, which I am a huge fan of, and I have plenty of headsets, I don't really see myself using it much outside the house. So um, outside of fixed wireless 5G, I don't really see 5G and VR really being a, a great marriage. Um, but I do think that AR is going to be the leading use case for um, 5G for quite some time until we really see, um, you know, standalone and other opportunities arise. And I, I think the long-term vision, probably see some people talking about this is, integrating AR into uh, or integrating 5G into an AR headset so that yeah. there isn't a, a, a compute device anywhere on your body other than the glasses and somewhere in that mobile edge, there's a GPU sitting and rendering most of the 3D objects um, so that your battery life can be better because when you have glasses, you have limited battery, you have lim limited compute, limited yeah. cooling, and nobody wants to wear a helmet. Everybody wants these sleek, nice looking glasses. So We'll see what happens at MWC, but I have a feeling we're going to see some developments. Um, I've been talking to TCL and they were saying they were going to give more details on their AR glasses, um, but I expect we'll see others as well. My only question on this neckband, I mean, how blingy is it? Can you get different kind of bling out on it? <laughs> well, it's, it's very low key, except for the red, very Verizon looking um, accent. Um, but overall, it's pretty low key. I don't think you would really notice it. And if somebody wore like a sweatshirt over it, yeah. um, you probably wouldn't even know they were they were using it. So I think it's interesting. I, I definitely want to get my hands on one because I, I have the glasses for it already. Yeah. Hey, Mike, before we close, you know, any thoughts on what Anshul was talking about with with AR and VR and, um, and 5G? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to watch this whole thing. I'm glad, you know, at light reading, I don't cover devices very carefully. So I'm, I'm very happy to follow you guys and, and, and see what you're excited about. I, I get a lot of information out of that, but I think, you know, in general, I would agree that, uh, you know, five to seven years down the road, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that augmented reality eyeglasses and virtual reality headsets will be pretty commonplace on the way to mass market. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all. And I'll tell you that um, my, my son is 15. Uh, he, he likes computer games. And he just finished saving up uh, $300 of his own money. <laughs> Oculus. Uh, wow. and, but I, and so he's got it. And he's been uh, shooting zombies and chasing gorillas and <laughs> stuff. And it's it's awesome. I, I got to play with it. And I, I mean, that that is the future. I, I'm not sure what the shape will be. I'm not yeah. sure how it'll be, how I'll put it on my body. But I'm, I'm pretty convinced that uh, in the, you know, medium to long term, that's where we're headed. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Mike, uh, we appreciate having you on the podcast this week. Great insights. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, actually, you want to take us home? Listener, long time listener, first time caller. So thanks again. Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Willtown Tech. I'm at Anshel Sog. And Mike is at Mike Dana. We hope you guys have a great weekend and please tune in again next week.